Well, good morning, church, and welcome to our house. I know that a lot of you, maybe it's your first time here today, and we want you to know, uh, like the kids said on the video, that uh, you are our honored guest, and we want to welcome you and thank you for coming. Uh, Whoever invited you, they probably told you that after church they would buy you lunch. What they didn't tell you is that today we're providing lunch, and so uh, they kind of pulled one over on you, but don't worry. Uh, You can come back next week, and then they have to take you and buy you lunch, so come back next week, and that'll, that'll all work out. Hey, we're really glad you're here. We are today sort of landing, ending this series that we've called Welcome to Our House. And today we want to talk a little bit about what it means in this place uh, for us to be a family. But I want to start with this this question, this idea. I want you to think about this, and we'll come back to it a little bit later. But think about this. How do you know, how do you know how much you're worth? How do you know how much you're worth? I was talking about this uh, the other night with some friends, and I wanted to, to show you something or share something with you, but I want to get a couple of helpers. I want to get my son Will and his friend Daniel to come up on stage, if you guys would. Let's give them a round of applause for helping out here. So when I was a kid, I loved to play card games. Anybody love to play card games and enjoy card games? So got a deck of cards here, and we played different games when I was a kid. One of those games that we played was a game called War. You guys know how to play War. It's really simple. You both get uh, some cards, and you turn them over one at a time. And we would normally deal these, but for the sake of time, I'll just cut them in about half. And so what you do is you take a stack of cards, and you flip one over, and just flip it up so everyone can see it. And the, the way it works, though, is whichever card is the highest value, that card wins the war. And you play until somebody wins all the cards. So if you guys are playing War, flip it up, and let's see what you get. Okay, they can't see these cards. You've got to hold them up, and they still can't see those cards. Here, let's, let's do something different here. This is not going to work at all. I should have. Oh, I did. I have some bigger cards. Um, here we go. This is going to be a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah. So the way you play war is you take it, and you cut it in half. And, um, yeah, what you do is you flip over the card, and you want to show it to these guys because they're out here. And whoever has the card with the highest value would win the war. So flip it up and let's see what you get. There you go. So Daniel has eight and Will has a jack. So Will, you're the winner of the card game because of the battle because you have the higher card. Another game we played, just stick these over here out of the way, uh, was a game called uh, Blackjack. I know you didn't think we'd play Blackjack in church today, but you know, here we are. This is how we roll. Blackjack is a game where I guess I would need to deal actually technically. I can't get these back in the box. There they go. So give me these cards here. And uh, I give you a card, and the way it works is uh, you get one face down. So I'll use this as our table here. And then you get one face up, and we'll show this to our audience. Ooh, Daniel, that could be good or bad, depending on how it rolls here. And, Will, you get uh, a four of diamonds. Now, the goal is to get 21, right? Face cards are worth 10, and ace can be a 1 or an 11, depending on what you need. And so look at your card on the bottom. You can show the audience if you want, just don't show the other person. And then tell me if you want another card. Audience, you can help if you want to. Daniel, do you want a card? Okay, Daniel wants a card, and so you get an eight. All right, Will, you want a card? I'll take one. Okay, Will, you get a five. All right. Okay, do you want another card, Daniel? You're going to hold? Will, you're going to hold? So the, the one who gets closest to 21 without busting wins the little game here, okay? So Daniel, what do you got? Well, oh, he's got 20. Show him what you got. We got to be, you know, transparent here that we were showing actual, yeah, 20. All right, Will, what do you got? 18. 18. <laughs> he's not good at losing. I'll just, uh, 
share that with you. Another game we played growing up, uh, well, I learned this from watching Kenny Rogers on the movie The Gambler. Any fans in the house of this? A game called Poker. And Kenny Rogers, has your mom and dad let you watch the Gambler movies? They should if they're good parents. Actually, I should probably rewatch those first before I say that. I don't remember what was in those movies. But he taught us a song. You know the song? You got to know when to hold them. Sing along. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. We can sing the rest later, but this would be wrong in worship. Um, so the basic idea of poker was, you know, if you got the right set of cards, if you got four of a kind or if you got a full house, then you would win the round. Again, it was all based on the value of the cards and the combination of the cards. Another game we played was a game called Spades. You know how Spades works? Have you all played Spades before? Here, just hold that up as an example. So spades are interesting. Six, a six normally isn't a very high number, right? But a six of spades would beat, say, for instance, this, Daniel, hold that up, a king of clubs. And that may sound crazy in any other game because the six is a lower number, but because of the family it's from, because of the suit, and because of, of the fact that it's a spade and, and the fact um, uh, of the color of it, it means it's going to beat any other card from any other family, from any other color. And that may sound like a crazy way to play a game. What's interesting is, Will, you could win in spades with even a two of spades. You could beat an ace of clubs. Not because of anything else except from the family it's from and the color of the card, it would tell you that it would win and it would win the hand. You know, it's amazing how spades works. It's a, fu- it's a fun game. But it's all based on, on the family, the suit of the card, right? Hey, give these guys one more round of applause, helping me out with a little card game here. You guys can sit down. Thank you guys so much. Here's what I think is interesting. I think that we have done in life the same thing that we've done with cards. We've assigned value. We've assigned value based on what what people look like, based on the family they're from, And based on that, we've determined that that card or, in this situation, that person has a certain worth, has a certain value. And some of you are where you are today because of the cards you've been dealt. And what's interesting about that is, for the most part, you probably didn't get to choose the cards you were dealt. You didn't get to choose your family. You didn't get to choose where you were born. You didn't get to choose the color of your skin, the language you speak. You didn't get to choose the education you had access to from an early age. But in large part, my guess is that you probably derive your sense of identity and your sense of self-worth. And if you're anything like me, you've done this too. You've ascribed value and worth to other people based on the cards that they were dealt and it's a little bit crazy because in a card game, if we were playing spades and you got, you got cards and, you, and the cards were terrible, you got like the, the highest card you got was a seven of hearts in your hand of spades. You didn't get any, anything higher than that and you didn't get a single spade. You might think that your hand was worthless. But I would never look at you and say, based on the cards that you were dealt, that you're worthless. That would be crazy. If we were playing poker and you got, you got cards that didn't go together, that weren't very high, and you couldn't win the round of poker, I wouldn't look at you and say, based on that hand, based on the cards you were dealt, that you're a worthless person. That's crazy. You just got a bad hand. But in life, what we've done over and over again, you know this, this is our nature, this is what we do, is we ascribe worth and value to people so often because of the cards 
they've been dealt. And some people, they just got dealt a, a hard hand. Some of us, I like the way my friend Randy Harris says this, some of us think we hit a triple, but in reality, we were born on third base. You know, we got dealt a pretty good hand from the get-go. But not everybody did. And the way the world works, even the way the world works inside of our church sometimes, is that we ascribe worth and value to people based, based on the cards they're holding in their hand. Many of which they probably were given. They didn't get to choose. What we've done in the church, what we've done in our world, is we've assigned value to people. We've assigned worth to people. There was another card game we played when I was a kid. Do you ever play this game? I'll see if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it with these big cards or not. Take a, you take your cards and you put them together to build a house of cards. Anybody do this? Can I do this in real time? Probably not. I did it earlier. I practiced to see if I could do it. Getting started is the hardest part, right? But you get it going. Eh, my deck is in the way here. It's not going to work. That, that kind of upset a little bit. You can see where I'm going with this. It's not going to work. You know what happens when you build a house of cards? Does it matter that this is a jack of hearts and this is a four of diamonds? When you're building a house of cards, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter that this is a five of diamonds. It doesn't matter if I get down to the joker. It doesn't matter if it's the two of clubs. Two of clubs, it gets a bad rap. It's worthless. When you're building a house of cards, guess what? You would never think... Oh, the five of diamonds. I can't use that when I'm building a house of cards. That would never work. Don't, don't, don't put the, the four of diamonds there. That would, that would make a terrible side wall for this house. You know, you know when you're building a house of cards, the, the value of the cards, the, the family it's from, it doesn't even matter. In fact, if I were to build a house of cards and I were to run out of cards and I went and grabbed another deck and instead of red, they were blue, guess what? That wouldn't even matter color doesn't matter. We're just trying to build a house and build on as many rooms as we can and build it as high as we can. Because when you're building a house of cards, the value and the worth that we often ascribe to it in other arenas, in other games, doesn't matter when you're building a house of cards. That's why I think it's so important that we start to reimagine the church as a house. All throughout the Bible, over and over again, the church is described as a house, as a house. Peter, we've been talking about First Peter all through this series. Peter describes the church that God is building, the, the way that God is putting believers together as a house. He says, God is the master builder. Jesus is the living cornerstone, the, the sure and the firm foundation. All of you, you are the bricks and mortar. You are the living stones that God is, is putting together to, to build into a house. And I think Peter got this because Peter had spent three years doing life with Jesus. He heard everything Jesus had to say. He saw everything that Jesus did. And at first he didn't get it. But later on he got it. He finally figured it out. That what God has been doing from the very beginning of time and now through Jesus is he's building all of us, all of us, no matter our differences, no matter where, where we're from, no matter the cards we were dealt, he's building all of us into something special, into something beautiful. He's building us into a house, a house. And so today, if you have your Bibles, if you want to open up or if you want to go online to the Bible app, you can follow along there. I want us to look at some, of the, some more words from Peter this morning, from 1 Peter chapter 1. Because what Peter says is in this house, 
What's expected of us as God builds us together is that we are, we've got to love each other. And we've got to love each other really the way Jesus has loved us. And so he says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. He says, Through Christ you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because, and this is a big because, if you want to circle this because, highlight this because, underline this because, do it, because, this is maybe the biggest because in the Bible. You have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You see, for Peter, everything begins and ends with this. For Peter, everything begins and ends with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. This is where everything begins and ends for Peter. And Peter says, because you've placed your faith and hope in God, you can do that because Christ raised him from the dead and gave him great glory. You can trust, you can put your trust in your faith, in your confidence, in this house, in God, because of what God did through Jesus. And remember, Peter is writing to a group of Christians for whom it was not easy to follow Jesus. It was not easy to be a believer in Jesus. He was literally writing to people who were being persecuted, who were going through pain, who were suffering because of their faith in Jesus. These Christians lived in a time, when you may know this, when a man by the name of Nero was emperor of Rome. And every historian you read, they pretty much all agree, Nero was crazy and he was just plain evil. Nero would take Christians and dip them in hot wax, then bind them to poles and set them on fire to light up his garden at night. Nero would take Christians. He would, he would, he would dress them in the clothes of, uh, or in the skins of animals, tie these animal skins around them, then put them in a cage and let wild dogs loose to tear them apart for his entertainment. He was crazy and just plain evil. And these Christians, they lived in a time when that kind of evil, that kind of persecution, that kind of punishment and suffering and pain was all around them for those who said that Jesus was Lord and Jesus was King. Peter says, you know what? You can put your faith and your trust in God because of what God did through Jesus. What did God do through Jesus? When Jesus faced the cross, he was arrested, and he was bound, and he was beaten, and they put a thorn of crowns on his head. When they stretched out his arms and his legs, and they nailed him to the cross, and he suffered, and he died. But God didn't let Jesus stay dead, did he? Three days later, God raised Jesus from the grave. And Peter says to these early believers, you can trust God even in your pain, even in your suffering, even in your difficulties, even in death. Because even in that, 
You can trust God because what God did through Jesus, what did God do through Jesus? Even in death, God resurrected Jesus. And even if you die, God will resurrect you too. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is why you can put your faith and your trust in God. And I know, I know that we live in a space, there are places around the world where this happens, but most of us live in spaces and places where you're probably not going to suffer and die for your faith today. But I do know that a lot of you today are suffering. I do know that in the spaces and places we live, you have pain and that there is death. And I think the same truth is here for us. You can trust God. You can have faith in God because of what God did through Jesus. And, and if you're here today and, and you're not sure you believe this about Jesus and you don't know if this, is, if this is what you think or what you believe, that may be why you have a hard time trusting God and believing in God. For those of us who this is what we believe, this is why we believe it, and this is where our hope and our faith and our trust comes from, because we know what God did through Jesus is true. And because of what he did through Jesus is true, we know that whatever comes our way, even if death comes our way, that's not the end of the story. God raised Jesus. You can trust God. Why? Because Jesus trusted God. And even in death, God raised Jesus up from the grave. And then Peter says this, you, all of you, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. In other words, because of what God did through Jesus, when you put your faith and your trust in him, when you walk through the waters of baptism, when you obey the truth, this year we've seen 14 different people obey the gospel and step through the water and they were changed. They put their faith, their hope, their confidence in Jesus they declared that Jesus is Lord. And when they walked through the water, when they were changed, they became a part of this family. And Peter says, when that happens, you have to show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. And I know what you're thinking. You just saw a brother and sister up here kind of knocking each other around a little bit, right? <laughs> and that's what we do sometimes as family. But like we've said over and over again, at the end of the day, we're family. We're family. And we have to show this kind of sincere love for each other because of what God did through Jesus on the cross. And oh, by the way, it's at the cross of Jesus where we learn that this doesn't matter. The old saying is the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And it couldn't be more true when you're standing at the foot of the cross. And you realize this, the same blood of Jesus that covers me covers you. And we're all equal. This is where you find out what you're worth. You're worth the price paid for you. And your worth isn't assigned value by another person. Your worth is what's found in the price paid for you. And what was the price paid for you? Jesus, the Son of God, gave his life for you and me. That's what you're worth. And in this house, that is your worth. When you're a part of this house, when you're a part of this family, this faith family, that's where your worth comes from. It doesn't come from anywhere else. It comes from Jesus. It comes from Christ. And so Peter says, you got to love each other deeply. you got to love each other with all of your heart. For you have been born again. Not to a life that will qu quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. In other words, this is the house that God is building through Jesus. But you know what the hardest part of building a house of cards is? You just saw it, because I, I, I did this. The hardest part of building a house 
Anybody ever done this? You ever build a house of cards? You, you know this is true. The hardest part of building a house of cards is what? Keeping it all together, right? Anybody have a little sibling, you know, come by? I had a little sister when I was a kid, you know, and she would come by. I still have her, by the way. Um, and she would probably still do this. Uh, you know, you build a house of cards, you finally get it going, you've got several little, you know, things built out, and, and it's looking good, and then the little sister, little brother comes over and just knocks it all over, right? Or they just run by it, like going 90 miles an hour, and the sheer wind from their gust going by, you know, blows it all apart. The hardest part of building a house is keeping it all together, and you and I, we have an enemy. We have an enemy, and what he loves to do, what he would love to do, is knock over the house that God is building in this place. And you know what our enemy's favorite weapon is? At least one of them. He's used this weapon over and over again throughout the centuries. This weapon has killed churches. This weapon has split churches. You know what the the greatest weapon of the enemy is? He comes alongside us and he whispers in our ear, different people have different value. Their opinion matters more. They give more. What they think is really important. What they think is not as important. You know where they came from? You know where they came from? You see what he's wearing? You see what she's driving? Do you know where they live? You know what the enemy's greatest weapon is? To point out the differences. To point out the differences. And to tell us over and over again that different people have different worth. That different people have different value. And you know what? It is a lie. About three years ago, the Ad Council came out with a new ad campaign. Some people loved it. For a lot of people, it was really difficult because it revealed our biases. They came up with a new ad campaign, and it had this tagline, Love Without Labels. Maybe you saw these commercials. They went from city to city, and they would put up a big screen, and they would put people behind the screen. And if you were in front of the screen, all you could see were the skeletons. All you could see were their, their bones. And behind the screen, they would be dancing or playing or laughing or hugging or kissing or high-fiving or whatever. But you couldn't, you couldn't see who was behind the, the screen. All you could see was their x-rays. All you could see was their skeletons. You know what's interesting about our, our x-rays? They all pretty much look the same, at least for those of us who are untrained. They, they pretty much look the same. You can see if someone's taller or shorter, but for the most part, our x-rays all look the same. And then people would walk out from behind the screen, and you would see that the people who were behind the screen were actually really different in different ways. Some were skinny, some were not so skinny. Some were this color, some were that color. Some spoke this language, some spoke that language. Some had this religion, some had that religion. Some had different sexual orientations. Some even, they put two sisters behind the screen playing and high-fiving and twirling around, and they came out from behind the screen. And you could tell that one sister had a disability and one didn't. You couldn't tell that from behind the screen, but when they came out front, you could see it. And they put the tagline up, love has no disability. And every time someone would walk out from behind the screen, the audience would, would clap, they would applaud, they would celebrate. And you celebrate what? Celebrate the fact that they could see that Whoever it was behind the screen, whoever the the skeletons represented, no matter their differences, you could see that there was love. 
between them. And when they came out from behind the screen, the audience would, would clap and celebrate and smile because you could see the people that went with those skeletons. You could see that their love was real and you could see that they, that they had value and they had life and they mattered. And everyone would applaud because it, it made it so easy to see that this is what we're supposed to do. That love has no labels. No matter the color of your skin, the language you speak, the worth that maybe the world assigned to you. Love, real love, has no labels. And I think maybe, just maybe, this is what it's supposed to be like in the house God is building. That maybe, just maybe, we are called to love without labels. Peter, going back to him for a minute. If you know his story, you know that when Jesus was arrested, Peter denied him three times. Jesus told him that he would do this, and Peter said, No, 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 Jesus, I will never deny you. Even if I have to die, I won't deny you. And that night, before the rooster crowed, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times in a row. They took Jesus to the cross. Peter is nowhere to be found. He's abandoned him. Peter had a big fat label over his life. You know what it said? Failure. When Jesus needed him most, Peter denied him and was nowhere to be found. After his resurrection, we see Peter again. Before he met Jesus, he'd been a fisherman. Now that Jesus is, is dead and gone, he's going back to that life. And, and Peter's out fishing in a boat. And all of a sudden, he's been fishing all night with his buddies. Hadn't caught a thing. There's a guy on the shore, and he shouts out to Peter, Hey, Peter, you, hey, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Peter is an experienced fisherman. He's been there all night long. Moving the nets from here to here isn't going to make a difference. Maybe in sheer exhaustion, I don't know, he does it. What do I got to lose? And all of a sudden, the nets are full of fish. John, one of Jesus' other disciples and one of Peter's good friends, looks up at Peter and says, you know who that was on the beach? Peter's like, I don't know. Jesus. Peter lights up, jumps out of the boat, into the water, swims as fast as he can, all the way to shore, gets up, crawls up out of the water, onto the beach, looks at Jesus, and you can just see the life and the love of Jesus all over his face. Peter's been wearing this label of complete and utter failure and disappointment. And Jesus has come in this moment and given him the greatest blessing the world has ever known. He's returned the failure of Peter. He's returned the abandonment of Peter, the disappointment of Peter, with sheer love and grace and forgiveness. And Jesus looks at him and he says, well, he asked him this question. He says, do you love me? That's a big question coming off the last few days. Peter looks up at Jesus. He says, yes. Jesus asks it again. Peter, do you, do you love me? Whew, Peter's feeling it. He denied him three times. If you saw him crucified at all, it was from a distance. Jesus, I love you. Third time, 
Jesus looks at Peter. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know, you know I love you. And Jesus said, Peter, feed my sheep. And you know that Peter spent the rest of his life trying to be a part of what God was building and building up the house of God and pointing others to Jesus, to the only God who saves. He even gave his life for that cause. I don't know what label you're wearing today. Maybe you've got that same label hanging around your neck that says failure, disappointment. You may say, Corey, if you only knew what I did last night, you would understand the label that I wear today that maybe none of us see, but you feel. And I want to tell you, Jesus is on the beach. And he's ready to bless you. He's ready to forgive you. And he's ready to tell you, whatever label you're wearing doesn't matter. Jesus loves you without labels. We sang this song when we were kids. You remember this song? Speaking of songs, not by Kenny Rogers. Jesus loves the little children. You know this one? All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. We're going to spend our whole lives wrestling down to the ground the theology of that song. The love of God is a love without labels. That the love of Jesus transcends our labels. And here's what it does. It transforms us, a room full of different people, a room full of different opinions, a room full of different backgrounds, different languages, different beliefs, different theologies, different ideologies, different politics, different, you name it. Jesus transcends our labels and transforms us into a family. So this week, here's your challenge. Can you, will you, set aside your differences? Set aside the lie of the enemy and just love others with the love of Christ. Can we set aside what what we've looked at for so long that separates us and instead just love each other the way Christ has loved us? each and every one of us. Church, if you would, let's stand together. So I asked you, how do you know how much you're worth? Here's the answer. Just take one look at the cross. You see, at the cross, Jesus changed the game. I wish I were a card musician and I could change all these to be the same thing. That would be really cool. I'm not. But that's what Jesus did. He changed the game. And he said every person is a person of immeasurable worth. Every person in the room, you're an ace of spades. Every person in the room, you are a person of immeasurable worth. And when you look at the cross, you find that that's true. 
because Jesus paid the ultimate price for you and for me because he loved us. And then he called us to love each other with that same kind of love. Today, if, if you've, you've never stepped in to that kind of life, into that kind of family, we want you to know, like, like I think Daniel said in the video, if you need a, a place to come home to, a family to belong to, we would love for this faith family, this house to be your house, this family to be your family. You are welcome here. If you want to step into the waters and make that same confession that Jesus is Lord and Savior and King of your life, we would love to help you with that. I'm going to ask our, our shepherds and their wives to make themselves available around the room. They would love to pray with you and talk with you and help you with that. If for whatever reason you've been carrying a different label around for way too long, or you've been seeing everybody around you as people who are wearing different labels that makes, maybe makes you feel better about yourself, that's how we do it, right? If I can amp up myself and what I think of myself and give everybody else a different label that makes me more valuable than them, at least in my eyes, I can get by or get through the next day. If you've been living that way for far too long, if you want to put all the labels aside and love others with the love of Christ, and you need somebody to pray with you to say, I need some help. I've been, I've, been, I've been loving with labels for far too long, and that's just not love. Only love, only kind of real love is love without labels. We would love to pray with you today too. And sometimes we've got to pray through that. And sometimes it takes a lot of practice to get there. To love each other that way. To love without labels. We're going to sing a song, and this song has sort of been our, our, our anchor this series. This declaration that Jesus, the house that we're building, is a house that is built on the love of Jesus. And he is our cornerstone. And it's his love. It's his love that transcends our labels and transforms us into a family.